What's up, Roots listeners? We are here in beautiful Everett, Massachusetts. And if you've been to Night Shift or if you've been to Bone Up, you know this area pretty well. And if you haven't been to either of those and you've had peanut butter once in your life, Teddy Peanut Butter <laughs> is right around the corner from here as well. And I love the way it smells in this It area. always smells like peanut, peanut butter. butter. <laughs> um, but at least it's better than like the you know Italian mafia's dumping spot. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. mafia is not real. Okay, Shh. it's not real. <laughs> Peanuts get old after a while. That's true. Maybe oh, if you were there every day, yeah. Yeah. it's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're interviewing a distillery for the first time in what? our 205, 206 episodes. That's crazy. Which shame on us because if our <laughs> listeners know, I love a good spirit. Probably prefer a spirit to beer. Sorry. Wow. I don't know. It's just easier to drink sometimes. <laughs> you don't get as bloated. Not wrong. Not wrong. Um. I'm excited to do this one because I've heard a lot of good things about Short Path, and I've actually come here before and enjoyed a lot of their spirits. So um, they make world-class um, liquor, in my opinion, and it's really, really good. Um, and this is not to, like, fluff your ego right now. Like, seriously, <laughs> I think the, the stuff you're putting out is phenomenal. Yeah, and the vibe here. I've always had a great time. So yeah, definitely a great place. So guest, which I know your name, but our listeners don't, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm uh, Zach Robinson. I'm one of the founders and the head distiller here at Short Path Distillery. Yeah. And was it always kind of like the plan for you to just jump into distilling? No. uh, Distilling uh, came around as um, very organically, ironically. Um, So my background is in organic chemistry. Okay. And um, And you uh, passed, did you pass the class on the first time? first try yeah i I actually chose organic chemistry over all other chemistries because it was the easiest one for me (laughs) nobody's ever said that yeah it was i actually didn't really like orgo but i got a's in it and i was like fine i guess i'll be an organic chemist (laughs) um i like creating things so i got into early drug discovery um so work for a pharmaceutical company making drugs um now i make drugs that people actually want um (laughs) so we uh you can actually see right behind you well the listeners can't, yeah. but uh, you guys can. That's our uh, original still. So we made it out of some copper pipe and a uh, keg. A&B cake. Yeah. Very yeah. fancy. Yeah. Very, very fancy. <laughs> and it was just sort of a summer hobby. Um, and that's completely not legal, right? I mean, well, as long as you're not like selling it. Yeah. It's no, 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 it's, okay. it's definitely not legal. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can distill uh, water and perfume. Yeah, you can make like uh, diffuser oils, right? You can make essential oils. Yeah. 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 Yes. Um, but anyway, so we did We did that. It was We did it like once a month, and then it was once a week, then it was three days a week. Wow. Um, and then from there, it was, we were like, oh, what would it take to go legit? So then we did some research and then we're like, well, we're halfway to a business plan. So then we wrote a business plan and then we had a business plan. So we asked for money and people gave us money and then we opened <laughs> the distillery. It all just sort of came one after happened. another, but it was not like this, you know, idea. And then we were spent six years trying to get it going. It just sort of, it seemed the next logical step all the way. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, including myself um, at one point just thought, you throw it in a barrel and it's done and it just ferments and that's it. There's a lot more science behind distilling. So can you go into a little bit of the science? Yeah. So having a chemistry background really um, helped getting this all going. Um, it was actually one of the reasons why we even thought to do it was we were we had a scotch club and we were drinking scotch and um, we're talking about making our own scotch. And I was like, oh, I do distilling in lab. I could definitely do that. So what distilling is, is the, uh, it's a, it's a general chemistry technique for purification. So it's a purification by boiling point. Um, so alcohol, I'm going to do this all in um, in metric because as a scientist, sure. I don't know what that is. It they should are. be yes. the way. That should be the way. I'm an engineer. I understand completely. Yeah. So ethanol boils at 78 degrees Celsius and water boils at 100 degrees Celsius. So if you can bring it up to, say, like 85 degrees Celsius, the ethanol will boil, but the water won't. Uh, and it's going to create alcoholic steam, which you then condense back down into a liquid. And that's... How do you you condense it back down? Are you infusing like a Uh, nitrogen line or... Just capturing it, right? Yeah, it's... We just have a copper pipe um, that runs through basically a bucket of cold water. Okay. Um, Looks like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And so it's just cold water uh, is cooling the hot steam down to room temperature and then that turns it back into a liquid, and it so it condenses down. So my job is literally watching a pot boil. <laughs> um, 
there's a lot more to it than that. So one of the things is if you have two uh, unlike liquids, uh, they form what is called an azeotrope. And that is they will um, they will change their boiling point uh, in relation to each other. So if you think about it, um, ethanol has a sort of a greasy chain on the end of it plus a polar end, and then water is very polar. And so with that greasy chain, the, the ethyl part, the carbons on that lime, uh, they don't want to be near water. So uh, when you add the ethanol and water together, you lower the boil, the overall boiling point of that liquid. There are other um, stuff you can add together, and it will actually increase the boiling point. So as the azeotrope goes, and there's a whole, there's a whole graph that goes to it, and you can look at the temperature of what the the boil the vapor is the boiling point, and that will actually tell you exactly what the percent alcohol is coming off because oh interesting as it boils off, um, you're boiling off more and more ethanol, so the ethanol that's left in uh, the still is, is going down in ratio. Um, so you'll start, say, we f- finished fermenting at 7 to 9%, um, up, up to 12 but let's say it's at 9%. And after half that run, half the alcohol is gone, so now it's, say, like 4.5%. Um, so there's less, less ethanol to water ratio, so the temperature is going to get higher and higher and higher. And so from the, the degree Celsius, you can actually tell what is there. And then the last thing on that on the whole azeotrope um, curve is uh, you can't get past ninety five percent ethanol by distillation. Uh, that's called the azeotrope point, um, and that's where the, the you can't get it any more pure by distillation. Um, and so that's why, <clears throat> like when you when you buy like Spiritus or, or um, Everclear or anything like that, yeah, it's ninety five percent, and that's what. Um, because you can't get any past past that by distillation. The way to think of that is if you spill water on the ground, it will evaporate. You don't have to boil that water. Mm. And so it's sort of like it doesn't matter how good of a still you have, you'll always have water vapor in there. And it works out to gotcha. about 5%. And then what is the base? What do you start with to get the alcohol? <clears throat> so for whiskey, we use um, 100% locally grown grain. All of our grain and all of our... Um, Whiskies is grown within 300 miles of the distillery oh, very cool. and malted here in Massachusetts. Um, so each bottle of our whiskey supports 68 square feet of local farm fields. Awesome. Think about that. Or one pour is four square feet, about the size of a coffee table. Nice. Huh. That's super Ryan, cool. We could have a Ryan and Eric. We can have a couple pours. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we start with that. Um, our, our single malt whiskey is, so it's 100% uh, two row malted barley. Um, you guys, I assume all know about making beer. So yeah. <laughs> we, we mash that in. Um, we don't do a mash, uh, like a beer mash. It's, um, we pick the temperature that's going to have the most short chain alcohols. Um, cause we want to convert all of that starch into short sure. chain yeah. alcohols to get converted into alcohol because yeah. we're going to boil the shit out of it. Sorry, I swear. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah, swear more. <laughs> Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> uh, shit. Shit. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so any of the leftover sugars it's we don't need that for sweetness in the beer and and yeah. or like head retention or anything like that we just need the the alcohol you're not really worried about the flavor per se at that point yeah it's exactly of yeah. the, what we end up calling when it's done fermenting we call it a wash um instead of a wart yeah um or or beer at the yeah, end yeah. yeah so then we we that goes into um into a fermenter so we do one ton batches Oh my God. Uh, wow. And that yields us um, 3,000 liters or about 800 gallons worth of, uh, of wash. Ferment it for a week for distillers. That's um, on the longer end of um, ferment because usually they're going with turbo yeast and stuff like yeah. that. They just right. want like a 48-hour um, ferment. Yeah. Time is money. Uh, we do a longer ferment uh, just because we like that it, it gets a more flavorful mash. Mm-hmm. or wash in there. Um, you're going to get some bacteria growth into there, so it's almost like a sour mash. Uh, they're going to make a lot of flavor compounds that yeast don't. Um, one of them is acids. So if you think about like sour beers and how they have the different acids in there that make it sour. So we also have that in there, which I'll come back to why we want those yeah. acids in. 
Uh, so then when it's done fermenting, uh, it goes over to our stills. So we have um, 100% copper pot stills. They're handmade for us in Portugal. And they're direct fire. So that means we have 320,000 BTU burners directly. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gets hot. Gets, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it gets like 120 in here. In the oh, summer. God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Must be nice during the summer. Yeah. 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 A lot of water. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the the uh, the burners underneath, um, why we do direct fire is you're going to get some caramelization of the residual sugars yeah. um, rather than steam jacketed. You get those hot spots that add sort of a smokiness to our spirits. And the other thing is you get more Maynard reactions, which is the linking of amino acids and sugars together. So um, if you think about like steamed broccoli versus grilled broccoli and how they taste different, yeah. so that's that's that flavor. So it gets more complex spirit. Um, you mentioned, not to interrupt, but you mentioned a pot still. Yep. And then I know there's column stills as well. Oh, yeah. So what's, what is the difference between the pot still and the column still? So that's a great question. So uh, pot stills um, are basically just like a, a pot in a condenser. Um, they're called, that's why they're called pot stills is because you basically have a boiling pot Yep. And then um, a pipe that goes to the condenser, which turns it back down into a liquid. A column still um, or continual distillation device, a coffee still, they have different names, but now they're just kind of known as column stills. And they have a big um, column uh, on top of the still with lots of uh, copper plates that have holes in them. And this is because uh, it increases the surface area and the vapor path. And the longer the vapor path and the more surface area there is, the more um, micro distillations you get. So you're right at, when you're distilling, you're right at the boiling point of ethanol. Um, and so as it travels up, it's doing a phase change between a, a liquid and a gas yeah, yeah. to get to the steam. But it's right at that same temperature, so it can do a phase change back into a liquid. Um, but then it'll heat back up and it'll turn back into a gas. So if you have more surface area, um, there's more area for it to condense onto and then to re-evaporate. And that's basically you're doing a tiny little second distillation on each surface area. Oh, interesting. So to think okay. about um, it is think about like um, a summer dew in the field. And you have a leaf um, of grass and it has one little dew at the tip of the leaf of the grass. And then you have those grass with like... Um, you know, the seeds and like, you know, sort of looks like a barley or something like that. And then it has all the, the dupe things on it. And it's, so that's sort of the difference between a pot still is just like one drip, one drip. And then the column still has all those little uh, areas for the dew to collect yeah. on. So a column still is more efficient. Um, and uh, because you get to do many distillations in one run, um, so you, I mean, they can say with every plate, it's an additional distillation. So we do two distillations because we've pot still. So we do double distill. So in a column still, they can be like, we do 78 distillations. <laughs> yeah. they, have all they just the stack it, stack yeah. it, stack yeah. it, stack it. Um, and you're removing more impurities that way, but those impurities are what are also known as flavor. Right. So yeah. you get yeah. a less flavorful, um, spirit out of it, um, which is why we don't. Um, use it. Yeah. Right. Um, now, how much does the water actually matter in what you're putting into the into the still? But before we do that, before we do that, let's go to a word from our sponsors. Dun, dun, dun. Did you know that your favorite Massachusetts breweries use hops from a local family-owned hop farm right here in Massachusetts? Our friends over at Four Star Farms are there for you, whether you're a commercial brewery or a small batch home brewer. Make sure to head over to their website today and get your hands on some of the best and freshest hops available locally. Cheers. At our local homebrew shop, Beer and Wine Hobby, you can get everything you need to make beer, wine, cider, cheese, and more. Not sure where to start? They have knowledgeable staff there to help. Beer and Wine Hobby is family-owned and located in Danvers, Massachusetts. Visit their website, beer-wine.com, and use our promo code BRUITS for 10% off your online order today. Shh. 
Shirts on Tap is the box subscription service for craft beer lovers. Each month, Shirts on Tap partners up with seven different breweries from across the country and collaborates on a sweet custom shirt design. We've been teamed up with Shirts on Tap since the inception of the podcast and are proud to announce a new promo code for all of our listeners. To get your first shirt for $5 off, go to the link in our description below and use the promo code. And remember, drink better beer, wear better shirts. All right, so we were talking about water. I mean, if you're just going to boil the shit out of it, why does it matter what water goes into it? Can you just get like swamp water and make? <laughs> uh, for the, for whiskey, like uh, water matters because um, one is when you start, you're still doing a ferment. So yep. you still want a, a happy ferment. So there's that. Uh, and then also at the end, when it comes off the still, um, so our whiskey, when it comes off uh, the second distillation, um, which I can go back to in a bit, it's going to be 150 proof, right? which is higher than what most people want to drink. In yeah. It. Um, <laughs> yes. So you have to bring that proof down by adding water. Yeah. So, so you water it, yeah. water it down for a lack of water it down. Term. We yeah. use the, uh, the finest Quabbin Reservoir okay. uh, water. Um, oh, so what's available. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's uh triple, triple filtered yeah. um, to remove all the, yeah. the, the gunk out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Robin's good water. Yeah, it is. So it's great. Uh, but like if Lafroy just uses literal swamp water, they use like brown water Brackish from, water. Oh. Yeah. from the, the yeah. bog. <laughs> yeah. Um, even to proof it down. So they ferment with that and then they yeah. proof it down with that. I was like, well. Added yeah. flavor, I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great thing about spirits is that it's self-sanitized. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's go back to, you mentioned this is just for whiskeys. Now. Yep. You don't just make whiskeys here. And I don't want to say brew. What is the proper term for making a spirit or? Uh, distill. Distill. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. Dumb it. I saw gins. I saw triple sec. I saw fernet. Is there a liquor that you don't make here? <laughs> uh, we don't make tequila. Okay. Yet, yet. Ooh, <laughs> Do you make a mezcal as well? <laughs> uh, well, no. no. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna get into that. Yeah, yeah. We let the fans vote on what spirit they wanted next, and they picked tequila. Okay. Um, Was that at the begrudging of you? Well, you know, uh, we're all about being local. Okay. Uh, Can't really be local tequila. Yeah, though. there's not a whole lot of local yeah. agave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stop it. Uh, <laughs> you can't grow it? No. But we also make rum, so, I mean, it's not like a lot of local uh, True. sugar cane. Right. Um, <laughs> it's, I, I don't personally drink uh, tequila. Um, you know, there's only so many hours in the day to Bad drink. Bad experience? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's, you know, oh, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it, it's, uh, you know, it's not something I've ever really being into unlike gin and whiskey which are um real passion yeah uh, why is something like a gin or or a whiskey a, a real passion for you um so whiskey i we i really got into spirits back in the day like right out of college um by uh starting a scotch club so it was get a bunch of guys together everybody throws in 50 bucks buy an expensive bottle of scotch and drink it or five bottles, you know, depending on the night. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, and really got into it. So loved that. Um, and I really liked the aspect of um, the, 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 the philosophy of scotch where it's like they use local ingredients, as, you know, they use local barley, they use um, local peat, they, it has to age in Scotland. It's sort of, it's, um, it's like the beer purity laws, but it's whiskey purity laws yeah. sort of, but it also sort of, ensured that there is always this industry in Scotland. And I kind of right. liked that idea, which is why even when we were starting out, we really wanted to use 100% locally grown grain. It was right in our business plan right from the beginning. So it was That's even amazing. before anybody else was um, on the spirits world was really doing that. Um, so that was important. And then for gin, why I really love gin, um, as evidenced by having <laughs> seven gins here, yeah. <laughs> um, is it's just such a fun spirit. Like you can, we have seven gins and they all taste completely different, which are completely different from, you know, all the other craft gins that are out there. And it's the best, um, like cocktail, 
uh, spirit, I think. Yeah. It just yeah. makes really fun cocktails, and you can yeah. do it's so versatile. Uh, How do you make one gin different from another? So what makes gin gin is um, juniper. Okay. And so there's only uh, two rules for gin is it has to have juniper has to be the number one uh, flavor and it has to be over, I think, 40% alcohol. Those are the only two uh, rules for gin. Anything else is fair game. So uh, you can use whatever base spirit you want. Um, You know, we did last fall, we used our apple brandy as the base. Mm. Um, So it was like an apple brandy gin, um, which was quite nice. Now, is that your autumn? Gin, or is that what you? Uh, it's not our autumn okay. gin. It was just like a, a special one. Um, it was similar to our autumn, where it's fall spices and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you can do anything. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, rum-based gins, anything like that. And then the botanicals in them can change. So right, our like house gin, our flagship gin, uh, which is a lavender eucalyptus gin. So it has juniper in it. Um, but it's dialed back. It's not like getting slapped in the face with a pine tree. <laughs> yep. um, you know, it's more balanced. Yep. Then there's lavender in it, which gives it, you know, a really floral nose um, and some softness. Uh, there's coriander and lemongrass for citrus notes and then eucalyptus for a really clean um, menthol-y finish. Yep. <clears throat> Versus, say, our winter gin, which is, um, you know, more uh, like rich and umami, you know, it's like cold winter nights. So it has a collection of roots in there. It uh, has rosemary in there, which has that sort of nice savory flavors yep. to it. Um, <clears throat> and then some some cardamom and stuff like that. So it has like a little bit of spices nice. and stuff like that. So, I mean, those are two that are just like very, very different gins that you can kind of yeah. do different. Are those put into the pot still, those, those flavors? Or, uh, or do you add them in a barrel after? No. So we actually have a we have, um, so our stills are very, uh, um, what's the word? I don't want to, I'll say basic. There, there's no real moving. <laughs> They're straightforward. Yeah. They're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no moving parts or anything yeah. to them. Um, so a lot of people get Swiss army knife, uh, stills mm. that can make everything, which is great. Cause then you only need one still, but it's a compromise still where they, you know, it's great at making everything, but is it, it's not, not really specifically done. Right. So each one of our stills is specifically de- designed for the task that they do. So we have a dedicated gin still. It's more like a flavoring still. Um, and so it is still a pot still, but over the pot is a giant copper colander in the vapor path. And so we put our base spirit in the bottom of that. And then we put all the whole organic botanicals up into the oh, basket. Okay. Yep. And so when it reaches a boil, the alcoholic steam is going to rise up, pass through the botanicals before going to the condenser. So that does what's called a vapor extraction. Um, it's a lighter extraction. Uh, so the alcohol is basically just kissing the uh, the botanicals on the way through. Um, so it gives you a nice light-bodied spirit because that's what people want in their gins. Yeah. Um, but with a pot still, there's no refining column. So all of that flavor comes across and you get the full fidelity of the botanicals in there. You can really taste every ingredient that is in our gin. So it's a way to keep a very um, full-flavored gin, um, but light-bodied gin. So the turnaround time on a on a product is a month at the longest for you, pretty much. Uh, it depends on it depends the product. On, well, obviously a whiskey or, or anything <laughs> like that, but but I'm talking about like your... Your rums, or well, maybe not a rums, but a gin, gin, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can we can turn around the gins um, pretty quickly. Um, there, yeah, it's a couple weeks to to a month yeah. on on the on the flavored ones. Would you say your gin is your flagship? Uh, I would. So we basically, I would say we have three flagships. We have our gin, our single malt whiskey, and our triple sec, and. Uh, actually, triple sec, it's crazy. Like to me, a triple sec is like you put that in a mai tai. Or it's, it's a <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, and not to like minimize it, but it's like. Listen, I started a distillery to make uh, gin and whiskey, yeah. and I'm going to be remembered <laughs> for uh, my triple sec. Um, Pretty crazy. <laughs> in 2021, by volume, it became our number one selling spirit. Wow. What are people doing with this triple sec? <laughs> drinking it <laughs> straight. They're just drinking it straight. Uh, I mean. They, sure. They put it, so the reason we made triple sec was because in Massachusetts, if you make it, you can sell it, but you can only sell what you make. Um, so we <laughs> yeah. were we were the first um, distillery in Massachusetts that had a bar uh, attached to it. 
And that was purely, that, that was mostly timing related there, mm. um, because they only changed the law uh, the year before we opened. And so the distilleries that were already gotcha. opened, it wasn't part of their business plan. Yeah. So we got to like work it into our business plan. Um, so the timing just kind of worked out for us. And we started with a white rum and a gin when we started. Um, and you can only make so many cocktails with just two spirits. So to increase the number of cocktails we could make, I made a triple sec to just add stuff to the bar. We never yeah. thought we'd sell it. It was just sort of like, it was just there. It was just going to be behind the bar. Um, and then our customers were like, can I buy this? And I was like, yes, I will take your money. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so we started selling it in house and then we had accounts reach out to us and they're like, we heard you have uh, a, a really great triple sec would like to buy That's it. That's such a weird thing. Like I, I'm so, what like, makes I, it so, so great. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, this Toot is going to this is gonna <laughs> blow everyone's minds, uh, but we use actual oranges. What? Uh, so, uh, triple sec by law is just an orange flavored liqueur. liqueur. Oh, yeah. okay. So you can just it buy orange flavoring. Yeah. An extract, uh, right? Yep. An extract, anything like that um, to do it. Um, same thing with gin. It just has to be juniper flavored. It doesn't actually have to have juniper, juniper in it. Yeah. Um, so we use uh, organic bitter orange and navel orange. Mm -hmm. um, it's two to one uh, bitter orange to navel orange. And so that's an, another thing that's a little bit different. So navel oranges have more of that sweet candied um, orange flavored, mm. but, um, but too much of them and it ends up tasting a bit like um, orange crushed soda. Ooh, yum. Uh, which is great. <laughs> and that's what a lot of triple X end up tasting yeah, like. Yeah. But uh, we use the bitter orange, which is sort of like a richer uh, orange flavor. Um, it's, it has more depth. It, it tastes more like an actual orange mm -hmm. than that sort of candied orange flavor. Um, so people like the orange flavors involved. And then the other thing is uh, our triple sec is only 10% sugar by weight. And most triple secs are 25% sugar by uh, weight. Okay. So wow. it's less than half the sugar yeah. that's in it. So the thought process in all of our spirits is you can always add sugar to your cocktail, but you can't take it out of your ingredients. So if somebody wants a skinny margarita, the only way to make it skinny is to um, add less triple sec and then it doesn't taste It doesn't right. taste like it. Yeah, yeah. So for ours, you can add the same uh, triple sec and it will have less than half the sugar. So you're always drinking a tr skinny margarita. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you can add double the triple sec and have more orange flavor in yeah. your cocktail and still be in the same amount. So it's of actually an, an added flavor. I know it yeah. is in most drinks, but this is actually an added flavor yeah. yeah very cool so i assume that's uh, i mean yeah it's just it's also once people switch to our triple sec they never go back never so go back. it's uh it's it's really sticky carousel and and nice. triple sec what's the difference uh a name just a name okay <laughs> that's it noted <laughs> I, I believe so i yeah. mean i'm not no, i know there's blue carousel just but i think that's just a uh yeah so i think it's just um food coloring <laughs> Yeah, food coloring, but it was just the island that it originally came from. So, right. So triple sec is the generic term for orange flavored and carousel is just from that island. Cool. I think. Uh, that sounds right. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't fact check. <laughs> <Yeah>. Let's <laughs> just enjoy it. Um, what's the, the spirit you're most proud of? Most proud of? Um, I mean, that's a, that's an excellent question. Well, we're going to give you a couple minutes <laughs> to think you about this. You that. Because we have a word from our sponsors. So take it away, Sound Guy Ryan. Are you a solo artist, band, podcaster, or anyone else who needs recording services? Well, we got a place for you where your vision can become a reality. Welcome to Small Pond Studios, built by hand with heart and sweat equity by musicians for musicians. Go to smallpondstudios.io to reach out to get more information. And make sure you let them know that Brute sent you. Hey, Sound Guy Ryan here. Didn't know if you heard, but we're a part of the Hopped Up Network. There you'll find other informative podcasts about beer. So go ahead, follow them on social media, and visit them on their website, hoppedupnetwork.com, to learn more about the people, beer, and breweries from around the country. And until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. No, I want to know what is what is your your favorite 
spirit. To, oh, to, to, uh, to still... you, well, you said okay, most proud of. Yes. Most proud of. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, why don't we two folds, two folds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, although they're they're gonna fall into to uh, similar things. So, um, I like my passion is whiskey, so that's sort of the canned answer. But um, there's two other spirits that I would say really get me going. One is our apple brandy. Um, and that's because, um, in 2010, I ended up in, uh, Normandy, well, I ended up, I went to Normandy, um, and ended up in a Cavados distillery, um, which was in like a 17th century French chateau. Wow. So cool. And it, I, I <laughs> blew my freaking mind. Yeah. Um, and I was just like in this barn of the chateau Tate, and I was just like, oh my God, why don't we have this in New England? This we is so Nirvana. Many, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so many apple trees. It's gonna be my life goal yeah. to like make this in New England. And that was like years before we uh, even started distilling. So then when we opened a distiller, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on this apple brandy tree. Yeah. So I really love um making our apple brandy. I love drinking apple brandy. Um it's a little more niche, but I enjoy it. And then the one I'm really proud of that I've gotten um, really into is our Fernet. Um, That's which, a very big industry drink if you're yeah, in food. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ours does not taste like Fernet Branca at all. Um, it's completely different. Um, but I just think it's our most complicated uh, spirit it, it, in the number of ingredients and how it's made and the number of steps it does. Um, and I just think it's like... it makes excellent cocktails and is really great to just drink on its own. What is Renette again? I have no idea. Renette <laughs> yeah. wow. is a uh, bitter herbal uh, liqueur. Okay. And the bittering agent is aloe. Uh, oh, that's is, cool. So that's sort of mm-hmm. what makes aloe and peppermint is kind of what yeah. makes uh, Fernet Fernet. Um, but it's, I mean, ours has some gentian root in there, which is also bittering. Um, but we have like cinnamon and cardamom and mm. cloves and so it's like spice and, and yeah. myrgum so like what they gave jesus uh Ooh. which is has a really <laughs> nice like piney resinous uh flavor and i don't know it's so it's like a holy yeah. drink yeah it's I biblical it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um fernet is typically enjoyed after a meal yes correct as a what's the what's the word a chaser no. digest yeah yeah chaser no no chaser that was the right <laughs> word <laughs> You have a fried chicken and you get the pizza with fernet. <laughs> You're yeah. seeing what kind of people yeah. we are, right? Yeah. What's yeah. <laughs> a fernet? Yeah, speak for you guys. Um, so those two, the, the one that you enjoy making the most and the one you're most proud of. But we were talking off air about what I, I gave Ryan misinformation. So flag me on all these social yeah. media. Like cancel you. Cut you down. <laughs> no, don't. Please no. Um, bourbon. Can it only be made in Kentucky? Uh, it cannot. You said it was bullshit, so please just say that again. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, um, fun fact about bourbon is bourbon just has to be made in the continental United States, uh, have majority corn, can't be more than 90% corn, and has to be in fresh American white oak barrels. Nothing to do with Kentucky. In fact, gotcha. bourbon was never from Kentucky originally. Hmm. Uh, the name bourbon is because Bourbon County is in Kentucky, yeah. and they came down the Ohio River. Bourbon was made, the bourbon style type of whiskey was made all over the, the United States. Um, and it just, where the name came from is because it would come down the Ohio River and get shipped out of um, the port of New Orleans. And it spent a long time on, in the barrels going down the river. And so they said, oh, the best of the, the whiskeys was from Bourbon County. Because um, they aged the appropriate be, amount of time. Well, they didn't know about aging at that time. Yeah. It just yeah. traveled the long, and so they could they tasted it. Yeah. When bourbon started taking off as like the American spirit, Illinois was actually where most of the bourbon was made. It was where most of the distilleries was, and it was the biggest producer of bourbon. Um, and this was all the way up until Prohibition. Uh, Prohibition, all the big companies went out of business, and the much smaller companies that didn't. Um, so that's why Jack Did, Daniels is still around. Right. And all those. Uh, they're Tennessee. I'm sorry, not Jack Daniels. <laughs> uh, like Jim Beam and all Jim Beam and, yeah, yeah. yeah, but they were actually more of like craft. Uh, Underground, yeah, kind of. Yeah. And so they, they were able to like find niche markets and manage. So when they re-legalized spirits, the only companies still remaining were these small craft distilleries in Kentucky, which then um, 
monopolize the market and then they spend millions and millions and millions of dollars in marketing (laughs) to convince you that bourbon has to be made in Kentucky. And if they're in Bourbon County, they'll be like, no, it has to be made in Bourbon Bourbon County. County. All of it is 100% bullshit is never, ever, ever had to be made in Kentucky. That is just revisionist history to ensure that what are now the big companies do it. Yeah. Um, It just has to be made in the continental United States. 51% 51% corn, less than 90 aged. But, that, but that's like Mind scotch blown. too. Scotch, you can't call anything you make here scotch because it's right, not. Right, exactly. So what do you, how do you skirt that? Do you call it like yeah, Scottish like inspired? inspired. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we call it a New England single malt. Oh my God, okay. I love it. <laughs> All right, that's cool. So yeah, so it's made in the scotch style, yep. New England single malt. Yeah. And you have something equivalent to a bourbon? We don't. Um, I like bourbon a lot, um, but... Um, it's a real pain in the ass to make. Mm-hmm. Corn is um, not easy. Not easy. It's uh, it's like mixing. It's like gelatinous. Pounds of polenta. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, good on the on paper, but yeah. <laughs> well, they never um, said it was going to be easy, man. Yeah, I know. And there's a lot of really really good craft um, bourbons out there, so it was yeah. it wasn't like it was sort of like do we need another one? Mm. Um, I'm not saying no. We yeah. have made bourbon. Um, like I said, I like bourbon, um, but of like scotch, rye, and bourbon, it is my least favorite of those three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that doesn't mean I don't like it. Like I said, I really yep. like bourbon. It's just, so we do make a rye as well. Um, we're doing that right now. Um, and then we have our single malt and then we have a, uh, main peat smoked cool. single malt. So sort of like an Islay scotch. Yeah. Putting something into a barrel for an extended period of time, how do you know your product's not going to suck when it comes to <laughs> it? so uh, scary. Yeah, yeah, so scary. Um, <laughs> well, a lot of prayer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you got to hope that what you, you make good ingredients and do the best cuts you can on your still and hope that it comes out uh, great. Um, I don't have to worry about that too much anymore because we have barrels here that are much older than what we um, released there are my uh, retirement fund Ooh. <laughs> uh, and every year on our anniversary crack it open taste it um, and then I giggle about how rich I'm going to be nice <laughs> <laughs> love it speaking uh, of money um, what are, what's the profit margins or like the margins you're working with as a distillery I'm curious and if you're not comfortable talking about this on air let me know. Like, I want to know, like, how much money are you putting in to brew or not brew to distill a certain um, like a drink, gin a gin? Yeah. And how much money are you getting out of it? So, uh, like, the cost of materials that go mm-hmm. in? Um, in labor. I guess you could include labor because labor is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, so, the materials are. Um, not as high as a beer. Mm-hmm. I think. I think um, the, the what you're getting at is we see bottles of alcohol that is 150, 200 dollars. Correct. Correct. Like, is, is, I I want to know how much does this bottle make you? Uh, how much does this bottle cost you? Right. So right. what I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, as comfortable as you can be. It's yeah. just like, because like yeah, because we're it's uh. It is there. It's not a well. Not a lot is we spend a lot on ingredients. Yeah. But there are certain things where it's um, the volume isn't very high. So mm-hmm. like beer, let's say your your margins are you know whatever. Beer is pretty cheap to make. A yeah. lot of. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is. And you're moving it quicker. You're moving it quicker. And you're moving a lot more volume. Right. So right. If you're making. Let's say one dollar per can of beer, but you're moving ten thousand cans of beer. You know that, yeah, that, that adds, adds up. up. Yeah. Versus with spirits, I might be making, you know, thirty dollars. I'm not actually making thirty dollars. I'm yeah. just throwing out. <laughs> yeah, number. sure, That's sure. <laughs> per bottle of whiskey. Yeah. But you only move a hundred bottles of whiskey, Correct. right? So yeah. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. So then you're you're making three hundred dollars yeah. versus ten thousand. It's so it's um. Mm-hmm. It's not as, you know, it's just a sort of a volume thing. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, for whiskey, 
you have to make what you need today, what you need tomorrow, what you need in a year, what you need. So, you know, we're, we have- You're not you know, selling it quick. Ten, <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars. Yes, yeah. yeah. huge in investment. In and yeah. hopefully that investment will pay off. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's a lot of stress. It is. Yeah. Do you meditate? <laughs> Acupuncture? Eh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He drinks. He drinks. <laughs> Seven years in and you get you get used to yeah. it. Yeah. You just sort of yeah. ride it. I'm sure to start, it's a little stressful though. Um, yeah. No, I just always been curious, you know, seeing like some of those really expensive bottles and I'm like, okay, so what justifies that? And I understand it's definitely the amount you move. Yeah. Um, it, it's more scarcity than ingredients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. So a good way to think of this, well, I don't know if it's a good way. It's a way to think <laughs> of this. Um, people get, so I, I, I used to work for a pharmaceutical company and everyone always complains that like they charge a hundred dollars per pill and it only, there's only 10 cents of ingredients in the pill. And you're like, well, yeah, but there was $1 billion of research to get that to market, like the cost of the pill isn't actually what you're paying for. You're paying for the years of research, 20 yeah. years and a billion dollars to, to get to there. And it's sort of not apples to apples, but it's sort of similar to that in spirits where it's, it's, it, you know, I mean, it costs a lot, lot, but it's been sitting there yeah. for, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're going to pay like, so if you add up uh, like rent, mm-hmm. like the square footage of all these barrels. Your overhead. And, um, yeah. That's so, a good way to look at so it. That's a, yeah. Doesn't, and it's a little harder to calculate that. So that's, yeah. that's more of a way to think of it. The ingredients are less expensive than you would think. Um, but the overhead labor. And the space and, it takes yeah. up for and also, time. time. I would, I would yeah. also assume the yield you get out of everything too. Yeah. So, know? so good way to like, um, one ton of grain makes, 3,000 liters of wash, which makes about 75 gallons um, as I'm swapping. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's, that's Seven, fine. 75 <laughs> gallons of barrel strength whiskey, which gets us like 80 cases of whiskey. Yeah, so you start off with a lot and you end up with not a lot. So what does that call like efficiency? Like your still efficiency is relatively low. Uh, yeah, so you could, yeah. So then- we do very tight cuts, so that's the other thing. But also with our stills, they aren't the most efficient yeah. um, mm-hmm. still. Um, although we do collect most of the stuff that comes out. You just run it longer. It takes more time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then there's also like the gas use that goes into it and right. you know, electricity and everything. But at the beginning, when you're first distilling, that's pure acetone pretty much, right? So you can't use that. It's not pure acetone. It's a... Uh, the what comes off first are the heads, um, so they're the low molecular weight, low boiling point compounds with acetone and ethyl acetate. Yep. So nail polish remover and non acetone mm. nail polish remover. Um, it is not mostly; it's about two percent acetone, okay. but that's a lot of acetone. Right? Um, you not be <laughs> like flavor wise. Yeah, it flavor wise. How do you know? Like, to, massive hangover. How do you know uh, when to cut it off at that point? Um, so we have a couple ways to do it. Um, it's a little bit of an art. Um, so so, it's not just like swishing around your mouth and like, "Ah, that's not the point. (laughs) Uh, kind of. Okay, Uh, cool. We we have, um, uh, boiling point temps. Right. So at a certain temperature, you know, that's when you start and then you, you taste it as it comes off the still. And then we have, uh, over, you know, many, many runs, we've figured out the, um, there's just certain things you can taste. And as soon as you taste them or don't taste them. You know you're in the clear. You know you're in the clear or you're you're going out of the hearts into the tails. Yeah. Um, so like there's this compound. I have no idea what this compound is. Um, the closest thing I can say it tastes like is cinnamon. It's not really cinnamon, but like. It's a kin. Yeah, it's a kin. And once you have tuned your senses to be tasting just that um, and you can train people to be like, all right, do, do you taste that like cinnamon flavor? And um, and so you train the dis- the new distiller or whatever, and they taste it. And then as soon as that cinnamon flavor is done, you don't taste it anymore. That's where you make the cut on the tails. Mm-hmm. Um, and so similar thing with the heads, where it's like you there's these solventy tastes and smells, and as soon as you don't get them anymore, um, you can switch over to hearts. Yeah. But it can be a little tricky because sometimes it'll have some of that solventy flavor, but it'll also smell. F- 
freaking fantastic and yeah. taste wonderful. So <laughs> you kind of have to what balance that um, to it. Oh, aging. That reminds me. Yeah. Um, how much time do we have? I don't know. Oh, no, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, we got um, I'm going to bring it all back. We talked about the bacteria and yes, the acids. Yes, that's right. And, the sour. Yeah. And why we want those. Um, it's my, uh, my new favorite thing about um, the new favorite chemistry in distilling is so when you age it, um, a lot of things happen. So you take those spirits and you put them into an oak barrel. And why oak uh, is because oak has radial lines um, in their wood. So it's basically, and um, they have lines uh, like um, things that go from the sapwood to the heartwood, um, as well as the phelums, I think it's the phelums, whatever the things that go up the tree to draw up sap and yeah. all that jazz. So uh, if you think about it, there's the um, the tubes going up the tree, and then white oak is unique in the way that it also has um, things going in and out of the tree. So uh, they kind of cross each other. Yeah. And that makes a mesh, and then liquid can't go through it. So if you have oh. other woods, uh, it will travel along the growth rings if you mm -hmm. cut it a certain way, or if you do it on the end, it'll just travel down the tree like a sap would. Wow. Huh. But oak, but oak doesn't do that. So that's one. The other thing is the flavor. Um, so they, when you char oak, you get uh, different flavor compounds in them. Uh, What's the flavor comp? Most people say like car caramelly or? Um, so flavor compounds. So um, like the most, the an easy one to think of is because um, the one compound, one flavor. So the licorice flavor, the black licorice okay. flavor uh, is uh, called anethol. Um, it is a compound that um, is found in aniseeds and star anise and mm -hmm. licorice root and fennel. Um, and so it's, that's what tastes like black licorice. So you can, and so it's just a, a, a any sort of compound. Um, it's, it's actually, I think, a steroid technically. Hmm. Um, but don't quote me on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're going to get strong. But there's all sorts of things. They, they have biological um reasons to exist in the plants and that's why um it's across different plants it's sort of like a caffeine yeah well, not really a flavor compound it's a um it's a um pesticide um and it's a because it's a neurotoxin and for bugs they have very small brains and when they eat the tea or coffee or whatever has caffeine in it they it, bug out they bug out and yeah. die yeah. <laughs> uh which is you know, caffeine will kill you if you have enough of it in humans, yeah. but our brains are much bigger. And so for us, we can handle it. We, it just makes us super wired. <laughs> oh, no, I can't handle it. Maybe I have a smaller brain. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, there's different flavor compounds in them. Uh, so there's like lactones, which are, are these cyclic compounds or um, cyclic uh, esters, um, which taste very sweet, almost like sugars. And then there's when you char it, you get a flavor that's uh, very close to vanillaine, yeah. which tastes like vanilla, which is why. You get those vanilla flavors out of oak and all that sort of stuff. And then everybody knows, well, maybe not everybody, but most people know about the angel share. So you get an evaporation through the wood. It's porous. Um, and depending on the temperature and the environment is in, either more alcohol will evaporate or more water will evaporate. So the proof in your barrel can either go up or down, um, depending on where it is in the rack house. And then also you're going to get oxygenation, through there, you get oxygen slowly leaks in and oxidizes stuff in there. Um, but the other thing that happens in barrels is esterification. So the tannins in the wood are acidic, and um, the esterification reaction is catalyzed by acids. So it's a very slow reaction, and it's also an equilibrium. So uh, Le Chartier's principle, where it will move um, uh, on a different so either be more uh, esters or more alcohol, alcohols and acids. Yeah. So what an ester is, is a alcohol and an acid linked together and it kicks out water um, as the byproduct. And so esters smell and taste like fruit. So if you've had a Belgian beer and they always right. talk about the, the fruity yeah, esters yeah. made by the yeast. So we're doing the same thing with chemistry that uh, brewers do with biology. Biology, yeah. Um, and so you have those those acids uh, left over from the the bacteria in there and then you have alcohol, a lot of it, in the barrel and so if you link those guys up um, 
depending on the different acids, they will taste like different fruits. Oh, cool. Um, and it's a very slow reaction and it takes a long time. And that's why like the older whiskeys, people will talk about like you can um, smell and taste banana and like, you know, strawberries and cherries and stuff yeah. like that. You actually are tasting those flavors. They are being made just slowly over time versus white whiskey, which can often taste very harsh. Mm-hmm. And that's because it has those acids in there. It'll have those ketones and, and um, aldehydes that are harsh flavors, but over time they will get mellow out, mellow out yeah. because they're going to be turned into these esters that um, taste and smell like fruit. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. One last question for me cool. is right. uh, how many times can a barrel be used? We use barrels three times. And then what do you do with them? Uh, we sell them to breweries ah. or um, customers if they want them. Um, well, up to three times. We use them at least twice, usually three times. Um, I think you can get more if you have an in-house cooper who rechars them, um, but we don't. Yeah. Um, so not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I know. Not yet. Yeah. Um, but they still have a lot of life left in them. Um and, and brewers like it because all of the barrel aged beers, yeah, barrel aged beers, but like the the woodiness of the barrel has yeah, been taken that's out. That's what they want, yeah, yeah. right? So they they it's more of like a vessel for them, um, like a breathable vessel, yeah. Um, and they can get flavors. So you know, we do, um, you know, we have a barrel aged gin, so then they can get gin barrels, or they'll get our whiskey barrels, yeah. or our rum barrels, and like that flavor kind of imparts into the uh, into the beer. Yeah, very cool. So that's what happens to them. Well, Zach, Erica, I mean, Erica, Ryan, do you have anything else? <laughs> no. We want people to come. This is great. To you, Short Path. We learn yeah. a lot, and it's clear that you know your shit. <laughs> so where are you physically located? Uh, we are at 71 Calvin Street in uh, lovely Everett, Massachusetts. Um, it's a one-way street. So <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people kind of miss us because they go to Night Shift and Bone Up, and our, we're a one-way going the other way. But we are uh, 510 feet. Uh, from Night Shift and Bone Up. We're basically smack in the middle smack between them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you have a number of offerings here, so please come check what they have on their website. Um, it's not just only a... Do you consider it a bar or what do you... Yeah, cocktail bar. Cocktail bar, yeah. but um, you can purchase spirits to go and you distribute? We do. We yeah. distribute. We're in over 200 different locations in Massachusetts and we're also in Maine. Oh, cool. Oh, good for you. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yep. And, uh, yep, so we sell... Merch, bottles, all that jazz here, as well as cocktails. Um, we're open seven days a week. And uh, yeah, awesome. good time. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to go have a spirit. And uh, you will want to see the after show that we're not going to produce. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned. All right. Well, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah.